Good morning, Contrarians. It is Thursday morning, June 30th, about 6.40 a.m. If you can hear a slight echo this morning, it is because I am sitting in an empty apartment. It is moving day for me today. It is the last day of the second quarter of the year, the last day of the first half of the year. And it's no secret, it's been a very tough six months. In fact, where the S&P 500 is concerned for stocks, it's been the worst first half of the year since 1970. So that's two generations, if you must know. And actually, yeah, more than 50 years. But at least now you know what a bear market looks like. And yesterday we had stocks returning to treading water, finishing mostly flat. The one outlier was the Russell 2000, which tracks small caps. That was down 1% yesterday. Now, this morning, it looks like that that uh, Russell move was a harbinger the, as we are looking at a sell-off across the board. NASDAQ futures are down 1.8%, and S&P futures off 1.6%. Dow Industrial is down a little less. If we look looking across asset classes here, industrial metals are selling off. We have uh, copper down 1.5%. This is the latest indication of a slowdown in, in global economic growth or fears thereof. Copper is the main bellwether for industrial growth, industrial expansion, building projects and things like that. So if that's down 1.5%, that tells you something. WTI crude is flat, though changing hands at $109 a barrel. Cryptos are continuing to get beat up. We have Bitcoin down 5% now to drop closer to 19,000. Bonds are seeing a few bids with the yield curve moving closer to inversion. Today is all about the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, otherwise known as the PCE deflator. This is out at 8.30, and this is the Fed's preferred inflation gauge. So this would go a long way toward determining interest rate policy. Now, it's no secret, hopefully you know, if you've been listening to this or just from reading news or being, I guess, aware and conscience, conscious, uh, inflation is running hot, hot AF as a matter of fact. And so the Fed has no choice here but to stomp on the accelerator, on the throttle where interest rates are concerned. And we've seen that uh, you know, over the last couple of meetings, the Fed has been raising rates aggressively, and they are willing to do this now, even if it triggers a recession. Fed Chair Jerome Powell said as much in public comments yesterday. But where the PCE uh, deflator is concerned, economists expect the number here. The main number that we're looking at is the core PCE price index. This excludes food and energy. They're expecting this to come in at 4.8%. Uh, which is just a bit below the 4.9% we saw a month ago. Um, there's another, a bunch of other metrics that come with this, but I included a chart here, and you can see that over the last two months, our inflation, or this, this PCE, core PCE number has been dropping. Not by much, but it has been dropping. So, uh, you know, hopefully this that will continue, but it's still... It's still no secret that, like I said, inflation is too hot and the Fed needs to cool it down. So that's why higher interest rates are here. And that's why investors are concerned they're going to be more rightfully concerned. Fed is signaling another 75 basis point rate hike in um, at their next meeting next month. 
So that's, and who knows what's going to happen after that. But um, that's the main economic data indicator today. Um, seeing how it's Thursday, we also have initial jobless claims. That's likely to get overshadowed. So I'll spare you that. Chicago PMI is out at 945. And later tonight, Chicago, I'm sorry, China Kaishin Manufacturing PMI. But um, yeah, that's all, all that is secondary for now. We do have earnings this morning. A couple will tell you about Constellation Brands, stock ticker STZ. And Walgreens Boots Alliance, WBA, they both report before the open at 9.30. After the close, we'll hear from Micron, MU. That could be telling. The bottom line. So when it comes to this PCE number, like the CPI, which is the other major inflation reading, economists get this estimate pretty right for the most part. Um, It doesn't deviate. The actual number that's printed usually doesn't deviate very much at all from what economists are expecting. And again, that's 4.8% for the one that the most important one, which is the core PCE deflator. And um, when they do miss, it's by just, you know, 10 or 20 basis points. It's not by much. So if they if, if there's a miss today, it could be a big deal and could potentially move things in either direction. If it comes in hot, obviously that is going to be a, a cause for concern because it's gonna it's gonna mean more rate hikes, and it come, if it comes in soft, then maybe there, that'll be an indication that the Fed can ease off uh, sooner rather than later. But that may be a bit of a long shot because the longer term trend here clearly shows inflation is stubborn and it's high. And whether it's four point eight percent or five percent for the core reading, that's still a lot of inflation. Those are year-over-year numbers, and it follows similar year-over-year numbers for you know, the last couple of months. So prices are going up, and the Fed's credibility is at stake, so they need to do what's necessary to bring it down. So from that perspective, this whole PCE deflator thing could be a bit of a non-event. But if the last six months have showed us anything here, it's just how quickly and violently consensus can shift. And that with no notice or warning. At the start of the year, very few people were predicting a bear market. And now those people who were, the few that who were, are vindicated. On the bright side, bears, perma bears, as annoying as they are, are nowhere near as annoying as the crypto cult. So it is at least somewhat entertaining to watch the Bitcoin bros spin their denial and all the other stuff, especially on Twitter. Uh, you know, so we have that going for us at least. But that's some consolidation, consolation here after all the, all the selling that we've seen. Where the economy is concerned, we just don't know how much pain is ahead. Or maybe if the damage, or, or even if the damage is, is even contained. And we're basically looking at a collision here between tighter monetary policy, right? Higher interest rates from the Fed, and growth. And when this happens, the Fed wins. Don't fight the Fed. This was the last time we saw a big tech bubble like this was in 2000, 2001. And this is exactly what happened. The Fed won. The only difference between then and now, well, there's a couple, obviously, but one major one is that this time, interest rates upset the whole apple cart much quicker than back then. It took Alan Greenspan several rate hikes to prick the the dot-com bubble. And this time around, 
tech started melting off before the Fed even touched the dial. So before they actually even moved anything on interest rates, the tech was selling off, if you go back to last November. But you know, on the bright side, the labor market is still quite healthy, although that can maybe be a lagging indicator. Um, anecdotally, I can tell you about the summer of 2000, uh, when I got a very lucrative job. This is back in the old tech days, before I was a journalist, before I was even in finance. I mean, I, was, I had been before, but anyway. Um, and that, um, I lasted there. I would last in first out. I think it was like eight months or nine months and then got layoffs. But, uh, so potentially, so maybe employment is a lagging indicator. And as liquidity washes out of the system, what you have is it brings down companies that were not well capitalized or were backed by growth capital like venture investors cash in their chips. And then you have a whole cycle. Whoopsie. I did mention I'm moving. Then you have a whole cycle of bloodletting that happens, right? And then you get layoffs and firms going out of business and all kinds of stuff. And and that's when you have higher unemployment rate and then the economy rolls over. Now, there's no certainty in life or very few of them other than de death and taxes. Actually, those may be the only two. And the future is certainly not written in stone. So th this doesn't all have to happen. There are a number of scenarios for how we can avoid it. I point you again to the latest weekly podcast where our guests talked about several, uh, but so who knows? And potentially from that perspective, it may even be a, a buying opportunity. Although I find it hard to believe it's a buying opportunity for cryptos, but whatever, that's just me. Whatever your thoughts on this, please remember to do your own research and make your own decisions. I have joined on long enough, almost 10 minutes. So with that, I will leave you for today, this Thursday. And thank you again for supporting the podcast reminding you to share your feedback with me by replying to the email you have received or sending it to contrarianpod at gmail.com. Comment in the Substack if you like. But I put another poll in there, by the way, for today. So please do vote on that. That's where we are. Thank you for listening. Look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow. Bye.